Wow. Aren't we lucky to have heard that original recording of a young lady in a field of wheat playing the lute in 1531. Magical and enchanting. Hello and welcome back to the final couplet with me, Theo Cowan. Today we're looking at sonnet 21 because previously we've looked at sonnets 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 and indeed 20. So it would only be fair to Shakespeare to look at sonnet 21. Some call it the forgotten sonnet but we're here to remember it. So let's not mess about anymore. Let's just get into it. Let's have a listen to Sonnet 21. Sonnet 21. So is it not with me as with that muse, stirred by a painted beauty to his verse, who heaven itself for ornament doth use, and every fair with his fair doth rehearse? making a couplement of proud compare with sun and moon, with earth and sea's rich gems, with April's first-born flowers, and all things rare that heaven's air in his huge rondure hems. Oh, let me, true in love but truly right, and then believe me, my love is as fair as any mother's child, though not so bright as those gold candles fixed in heaven's air. Let them say more that like of hearsay well, I will not praise that purpose not to sell. Well, that was an interesting one. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. You can't correct me because this is a podcast and it's just me speaking. But if we were in the pub, maybe you'd correct me if I was wrong. So correct me if I'm wrong, um, this is just sort of Shakespeare saying I'm actually better than a lot of um, a lot of other poets and a lot of other love poets go, oh, I love you, I love women, I, you know, it's, it's all, it's a load of rubbish. Whereas Shakespeare is actually saying I, I am in love. That's what I got from it. But let's dive into it line by line and see what the hell he was going on about. So it starts with, so is it not with me as with that muse? And uh, here I think he's saying, you know, I'm not like, it's not, I, I'm not like other other poets or that other poet who you know all too well, don't you, that poet? We don't, we don't Shakespeare, we don't know who the hell you're talking about, but I guess he's jealous, classic jealousy. He's saying, I'm not like other poets. It's quite it's quite refreshing, isn't it, that, that even Shakespeare, sort of known as the, the greatest writers of all time, gets jealous and is like, oh, my poetry is not like their poetry. It's better than theirs. It's nice. Then he goes on to say, stirred by a painted beauty to his verse. So I think he's 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 carrying on. He's saying, I'm not like that those other those other poets or that other poet that that just talks about sexy ladies 
I think painted beauty, so painted is, I think when, when poets and writers said painted, I think it meant like makeup. I think painted face, sort of makeup. So it do- doesn't talk about those, those sexy ladies that wear all the loads of makeup. I'm not like that. I don't do that. They, that's all they talk about. It's pathetic. Who heaven itself for ornament doth use, and every fair with his fair doth rehearse. And I think this is carrying on. He's saying in their, when they're writing, they say they compare her to heaven. They say the women are like heaven and they compare them to all sorts of beautiful things. And then he goes on to say, making a couplement of proud compare with sun and moon, with earth and seas rich gems. So that's the same sort of thing. He's just just adding a few lines probably just needed a bit of filler to get the word count up but he's saying you know again i'm i'm not like them they compare people to they compare women to the sun and moon and and rich gems and 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 earth and sea they're doing all that flowery crap that's not me i'm straightforward i'm shakespeare with April's firstborn flowers and all things rare that heaven's air in this huge ronger hems. So here he's just carrying on, same thing, uh, talking about how other poets compare stuff to women. And and actually, I think he's been a bit of a hypocrite here because he is, in, in, in writing about this, he is comparing things to women. He's saying, I can do it too. So they can do it. I can do it. I just don't want to. I can do it. I just don't want to. Anyway, he's just saying, you know, about the first flowers of April and and every and every rare thing and and heaven itself and all that. Then there's a little switch. He says, "Oh, let me true in love, but truly right, and then believe me." So here he's saying, "I am actually in love." It's not all that fake crap that the other person's talking about. So let me actually, I write the truth. Yeah. I am actually the source of all truth. And believe me when I say, and then it goes on to say, my love is as fair as any mother's child, though not so bright as those gold candles fixed in heaven's air. So here he's saying, my love is as beautiful as any as any human ever any any mother's child so that is everyone that's everyone because mothers have children and that's how humans are made uh, the, but but not as bright as the stars let's not get carried away that's ridiculous and now we're on to the final couplet which is let them say more that like of hearsay well. I will not praise that purpose not to sell. So I, I think he's, again, this is as the as the final couplets want to do. He's, he's rounding it all up saying, you know, let them, let them use, let those other poets use those love cliche stuff, all that, all that lovey dovey crap. But I... I actually, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to sell that. I'm not, that's not me, baby. I don't want to waste your time with that crap. I'm pure. I'm real. I think that's it. I think that's it. 
And you know what? Having having worked out what he's meaning here, I like it. It's it's ridiculous. It's like a it's a it's an early form of of, of of what we all do today, isn't it? It's like I'm better than all those other creatives. I'm better than them. I'm pure. That what they're doing is yeah, it's cliche. It's, it's rubbish. But what I'm doing, I actually mean it. And what I'm writing about is from the heart. And that is quite funny, isn't it? That Shakespeare was was just popping that down and thinking it's okay to write about that and, and putting it in one of his sonnets. And he thought it would get lost, didn't he? Because he put it as Sonnet 21. He thought no one reads all of these sonnets. No one's going to read them all, especially not in podcast form, and 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 read them out to listeners and then and then try and work out what they mean. He never thought that, but he's been caught. God, it's good. We've got you, Shakespeare. We found you out. You're just like us. Now, let's see where this falls into our story. And I think it's only fair to keep on with the uh, David Shakespeare storyline. If you remember last week, Shakespeare had gone into David's dressing room and recited Sonnet 20 to him, which was a confusing sonnet. It was basically saying that he thought that David was probably meant to be a woman because he's that beautiful but then mother nature got a bit confused and gave him a penis and he's not into penises and it was a weird one so let's see what happens in the aftermath of that and of course in the lead up to sonnet 21 shakespeare finished reading sonnet 20 to david David, of course, was in full costume at this point, about to go on stage. He had a face full of makeup, and quite honestly, he was shitting himself. But this shook him, and he said, "Shakespeare, I'm confused. I, I, I can't work out if you love me or not." And Shakespeare says, "Yes, I love you, as a friend." I love you as a friend. Wasn't that clear? And David said, well, no, not really. There was all that stuff about Mother Nature making me as a woman and then giving me a penis, but you're not into penises. And Shakespeare said, "Ah, let me stop you there. I'm definitely not into penises. And let everyone hear that. Let everyone hear that. And spread that word far and wide. I can't be clearer. I'm not into penises. And David says, right, because that's the confusing part, because it seems like you are into me. And Shakespeare says, yes, I, I'm into you as a, as, a, as a guy loves a guy in this day and age, right? Just two guys loving each other. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, is there? So don't make it weird. You're making it weird, David. And David says, OK, Shakespeare. All right, well, I, I need to get on stage. And Shakespeare says, all right, I've got a few notes before you go on, actually, because, you know, I want this to be good. And uh, and David says, OK, um, what, what what notes do you have? And Shakespeare says, just you need to be better. Oh, you need to be a much better actor. OK, 
you you've been quite bad how do i put this um you've been awful terrible you've been sort of eye candy but you need to be uh good at acting okay does that make sense does that all make sense David says, well, sorry, uh, you hired me. I thought you, I was g- good. And Shakespeare said, yeah, you are, no, you, you're good. You are good. You're doing your best. You're doing your best. And that's all that matters. But you do need to be better. Okay. So your best is just uh, get out there, have a good time, but do better. Be a better actor. Okay. All right, then. Um, I'll see you afterwards for the, for the drinks. Uh, I think they're going to be at the, the Swan Bar. Uh, Swan Bar and Grill, just round the corner from the Globe. So uh, I'll see you there. All right, have a good one. Or, oh, by the way, uh, just let you know the Queen's in. The Queen's in tonight. So yeah. All right then. Ta-ra, ta-ra. And Shakespeare left. David slumped in his chair, contemplating love and indeed his acting ability. Three and a half hours later, the curtain descended on Romeo and Juliet at the Globe Theatre. It was received incredibly well by the audience. They were crying. Some were laughing. I don't think they understood what the play was about. Terence Thomas from the Evening Standard was there who would later give the performance four stars. And back then, four stars was the best. There was no five stars. Interesting, isn't it? It seems that Shakespeare's sonnet, 20, had sparked something within David and made him a better actor. When Philip saw Shakespeare in the Swan Bar and Grill afterwards, He was shook to his core. Philip is the producer, if you don't remember from previous weeks. He said, Shakespeare, what happened? What did you tell David? And Shakespeare said, well, I I read him a piece of my work. And Philip said, God, you're good, Shakespeare. I knew you were good, but I didn't know you were that good. Bloody hell. Shakespeare glanced across the room. And he saw a familiar figure in a large hat and pink garters. It was Ben Johnson, his old frenemy, Ben Johnson. But Ben wasn't alone. He was talking. Oh, no. He was trying to get his grubby mitts on David. Shakespeare could just overhear Ben's voice above the hubbub. You're absolutely fantastic, David. One of my one of my favourite performances by an actor ever in the theatre. Just marvellous. I mean, and and dare I say, you are quite the looker too. And uh, and at this point, Shakespeare hurried over to them and said, Ah, Ben, how are you doing? It's been a long time. What are you doing here? I didn't invite you, did I? And Ben said, Well, actually, Philip invited me. 
because uh, we are close friends and I thought, how could I miss Shakespeare's big Romeo and Juliet show? And he smacked Shakespeare on his back in celebration. Shakespeare said, I see you've met David. And Ben said, oh, have I met David? Is that right, David? And David said, yep, we have, we have met. And uh, Ben is great. Bill, why didn't you tell me about Ben? He's marvellous. I'm a, I'm a big fan, actually, of his work. And Shakespeare grew red. And he said, oh, are you? Oh, well done, you. You like his work, do you? And David says, well, yes, I, I, I do like Ben Jonson's work. Is that, is that, is there a problem with that? And Shakespeare says, no, 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 no problem. No problem at all. And he runs off to the toilet to gather his thoughts. Shakespeare locked himself in one of the cubicles at the Swan Bar and Grill. And he pulled out his quill. He had an impulse to write a sonnet. Ben Jonson was pissing him off. And he thought, oh no, I don't have any ink. What can I use? So he slit his finger and he used his blood to write Sonnet 21. He scribbled and scribbled and actually used a lot of blood and became a bit lightheaded. So he went back into the bar and grill and had a sausage roll just to keep his energy levels up. When the sonnet was eventually finished, he ran back over to Ben and David, who at this point were snuggling up together in a little nook. And he said, David, I need to talk to you. And Ben said, oh, don't be a bore Shakespeare, let him stay, we're having a good time. And Bill says, shut up, Ben, you've pissed me off enough tonight. And David says, I want to stay. And Shakespeare looks shocked. And he says, well, well, I've written another sonnet for you. And David says, well, if it's about me accidentally being given a penis again, I don't want to listen. And Shakespeare says, it's not. And I wanted to read it in private because it, it slags off Ben a bit. But if you are going to make me read it here in public, in front of Ben, I will. And he pulls out Sonnet 21 from his back pocket and reads. Sonnet 21. Listen, I'm not like those other writers who write about how sexy women are because they wear loads of makeup. Those writers compare women to heaven itself and loads of other beautiful things like the sun and moon, the earth and sea the first flowers of April and all the other precious things on earth. But since I really am in love, I just write the truth. Believe me, my love is as beautiful as any human, but probably not as bright as stars in the sky. If you like tacky love poems, go ahead. But I'm not trying to sell anything, so I won't waste time with praise. Wow. Well, when you hear my sort of modernised translation of that, you do sort of think, God, he's getting a bit too big for his boots, isn't he? 
And he's also bitter. He's a very bitter man, Shakespeare. And I really like how he's sort of covering up being bitter and jealous with his flowery Shakespearean language. But I guess that's just us looking at it now, because back in the day, maybe they were just thinking, well, that's a bloody bitter poem, isn't it? What an idiot. What a horrible, what a horrible, bitter little poet he is. But for us now, we, th- we just read these and go, oh, that's nice flowery language. That sounds nice. But actually, there's a lot. There's a lot to uncover, isn't there? Well, I, for one, have learnt a lot today, and I hope you have too. Until next week, bye!